Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're coming to you live. That's right. The 119th U.S. Open is in the bag. Gary Woodland is your winner. And uh, I promised my wife I would not yell as it is late here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Kyle Porter, you're from the Media Center. Uh, your first column is filed. Your second column's on the way. How are you feeling right now? What's your headspace uh, as Pebble Beach is closing down? I'm drinking a Michelob Ultra in honor of our king. That's right. The, the- the fallen king. <laughs> king, King Kepka has fallen, and I'm toasting him. It's my first Michelob Ultra since uh, I think the 16 or maybe the 17 Players Championship. I had PTSD from uh, all the Michelob Ultras that were in our house that week, and I just I I can't uh, I can't do it until now in honor of Kepka. What a what a day! What an unbelievable per- performance from him from Woodland. It was uh, it was pretty awesome. This place is awesome. Sunday was awesome. It was it was fun to be a part of. So we haven't gotten a chance to catch up. We did not do our Friday night podcast because with the with the time difference and everything else, we didn't feel like uh, the listeners would be able to get a chance to to get that content before the third round got started. So your feelings as we've been having conversations back and forth it is obvious that the impact of what is pebble beach has been um enormous for you but i think it's also been a cool narrative and storyline that while we go into the u.s open and we always think about the usga versus the players and someone's going to gripe and someone's going to complain but Pebble Beach is the one place where you couldn't screw it up. So, you know, within the, not necessarily the context of the complaints, but like, give us, give us what your takes are, man. I I, want to hear your honest, free-flowing, non-slack Pebble Beach. What have been your impressions of the place? Well, I've got two of them. So my first is that I compared this place to, um, it's kind of like Disney. Huh? In that you're, How so? in that you're like, well, in that you're like, okay, is it overrated and sort of overrun? Sure. Does that mean it's it's also not awesome? No. It can be both things. Sure. I've never been to Disney, um, but my I ima- I mean I know it's overrun and overrated. I imagine that it's still pretty cool, and that's sort of how I feel about <clears throat> about Pebble. Like, because what happens is that people like it's you you know how it was growing up like it was the it was the course that was on the video games and it's right. the course that people who don't know a lot about golf talk about along with like Augusta they just like they just like say words and Pebble Beach are two of those words right but it's still awesome and so like I think both things can be true and you know as far as like the golf itself I I don't. 
I don't know. We just get so wound up about like what the score to par is, like wh- like whatever. I, I don't I don't care. I thought I thought Andy Johnson had the best take this week. We this is a take that was dissected. Like we we talked about it like a hundred times this week. But why not just change the change par? Like the USGA has has sort of painted itself into a corner with wanting to protect par, and so when they want to protect par. They have to trick up these courses to where the players hate them, and and if they don't trick them up and the players score, then fans are like, I want a proper national championship. Well, why not just change the number instead of tricking up the course? So if you make Pebble Beach a par sixty nine, then all of a sudden Gary Woodland is what five under instead of thirteen under, and so people are like, oh yeah, that's a proper that's a proper national championship. How much? What do you? What do you? Well, no, no, no. I I didn't see much blowback on the the score. I mean, did you? Uh, I think I think just like the common fan who's like tuned into four events a year and thinks the U.S. Open should be a bloodbath is kind of like no, this this you know this isn't my national. This isn't my U.S. Open. Okay, well, here's what I saw. I saw fans that were tuning in, especially for primetime on Sunday. They were expecting the U.S. Open to be challenging. And we didn't see a lot of birdies on the second nine from the last, what, three to four pairings? Well, I think – I thought the weird part about this week, you, I, it felt like you, it felt like every score I saw was between 68 and 72. Right. Right? And so – But there were you know, different were, 68s and 72s because, like, Ches Reeve just does, uh, you know, 16 pars with one birdie and one bogey on his Sunday – to an even par round. But like then we saw Tiger Woods on Saturday do a like five birdie, five bogey, even par round. Like there was there were lots of different ways to even par at Pebble Beach this week, but it definitely felt like everyone was going to be hovering between about two under and two over. And I think that's I think that's I think that part of it, like the hovering between two under and two over. You can, because look, you can call par whatever you want, but I think that part of it, the hovering, is what makes it the U.S. Open, right? Is that, sure, you can go make birdies if you hit great shots, but if you don't hit great shots, you're going to make bogeys as well. So I just, I mean, I don't know. I I, I thought the setup was pretty awesome. Yeah. Week. Well, the the conversation that I, I sort of steer it to is that the USGA can't mess up Pebble Beach, and that was the lesson that like Pebble Beach is. You know, everything that is awesome about it. I also had some funny conversations with some friends on the side about how, like, I have you ever played Pebble? No, no. Okay. I don't know if I I don't know if I want to. I, that's I was I was like, I I mean, yes, I totally respect every single human being that made the cut this week because those sight lines are outrageous. I gotta have yeah. no chance. I've I'd have I there's a there's a course outside of Boone, North Carolina in the mountains. Uh, called Mountain Glen and Highway 105 runs to the left of like maybe the first three holes of the back nine and I have yanked no less than 11 drives into oncoming traffic on Highway 105 to imagine <laughs> playing off of a cliff with the Pacific Ocean I'd, I'd lose nine balls with one round I mean yeah like, just, you would. just nuts kind of stuff dude holes okay so we haven't talked 
We, I don't think we've talked. Have we talked? We we have not had an actual conversation. We've I, I've appreciated, and I'll say this on the podcast. There's like 24 hour maintenance that needs to be done with the with the CBS Sports like U.S. Open coverage, and we've basically done baton passing, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. And 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 I've appreciate <laughs> I've appreciated that 100. percent So no, we have so, not talked. So holes. By the way, we need to get to Victor Hovland in a minute, and then after that, we'll get to the new U.S. Open champion Gary Woodland and Brooks Koepka. But holes four through uh, uh, twelve, uh, eleven, just just the best. I mean, <laughs> nuts. Just freaking the best, like you, because you get out here and you you watch one, like you're on one, and you're like. Okay, what uh, this is Pebble, and then you get to four, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I got you, and it opens up into five, and then six is just insane. Seven is everything that people say that it is. Eight, nine, ten, right along the water. I mean, it, it's just, it, it, I don't know. Again, it's it's kind of like Disney for me. Like, I, I don't know how better to describe it than it's like being at, at Disney and and yeah is it is it overrated are there too many people is it too expensive to play here sure it's all those things but it's still it's still awesome and it's still as as pretty and as good I think a, a, a national championship is as as we can host here in the United States okay so um let's uh how about this and now it's time for Stock Up, Stock Down, brought to you by TD Ameritrade. We're going to start with Gary Woodland because I thought the most interesting aspect of analyzing Gary Woodland in the wake of the U.S. Open win, um, I, I think that we can agree he just he, he played really solid. You know, he didn't have a lot of bogeys, and he was locked in the entire time. But at 35 years old, in the last two years, and specifically in the last four major starts, he has found a form that he has not had prior to this in you know almost a 10- to 12-year career. So stock up, stock down. Are we going to be recency bias on this with Gary Woodland, or do you think that this is a sign – that he's going to be able to uh, start to jump up in the in the world, at least in terms of where he stands among golf stars. Well, I, I think it's a sign, but not necessarily just because of the U.S. Open. When you go back to uh, Bell Reeve, so he goes T6 there, he goes T8 at Bethpage, and then he wins this. So what is that, three of the last four majors? He's top ten? Yep. No, I, mean, it, I think it's uh, four of the last – or three of the last five maybe, or four of the last five. I think it's three of the last four because PGA was the last one last year, and then you've had three this year. So the last four majors, he's been top ten in three of them. The only one that he wasn't was Augusta. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think stock – I mean, obviously stock up just based on this week, but I think stock up overall just because of the way he's been kind of trending in majors. How good was that uh, three-wood into 14? So every single time that we thought that we had landed on the shot of the tournament for Gary Woodland, he bested it, right? Because it was I mean, like from 265 out, he hits the three wood. It bounces over the bunker, like just just absolute stones shot from Gary Woodland. And then all of a sudden, 
like worst timing for the miss hit on seven on 17 he does the chip from just off the green and you're like oh my god that's the shot of the tournament and then what does he do he goes and hits like a 40 foot birdie putt on 18 nuts to to yeah. to beat tiger woods's 12 under pebble beach by one stroke i know i, know. I mean it it's obviously different cuz you're you know the rest of the field isn't over par like what happened in Tiger's year. Tiger gained like 25 strokes on the field that week, which is just, it's absurd. But I, I just, I don't know. Like we talked about this around Beth Page around the PGA. There is something to like laying it on the line on a Sunday. Like it's not as easy as guys sometimes make it look. And I thought, I thought Woodland and Kepka both, they kind of just let it hang. They let it go, man. That is hard to do. Like your natural reaction when everything gets – I mean things just start – I don't know if you saw uh, Ches Reeby's face after like the fourth hole. Things were moving very quickly early <laughs> on, very quickly for everyone. And when that happens, your natural reaction I think as a, as a human is to like just – just pull away just to just to eject from everything it's really hard to kind of lean into that and to just go for it and i know that sounds crazy because people who are listening or watching are like oh that's what i do i would just i would go for it and it's like it's not that it's it doesn't it doesn't work like that it's really hard to do it's really hard to put yourself out there and woodland kept doing that the shot into 14 that's not a two shot hole that's a three shot hole he reaches it into makes a birdie that he needed at the time. And then the chip on 17, I mean, I was standing next to uh, Andy Johnson and, and Brennan Porath, and I said, look, I looked over at Andy, and I was like, I blade this into the Pacific Ocean 100 times out of 100. <laughs> 100% of the time, I am blading that ball into the Pacific Ocean. And it looked like he hit it too far from where I was standing, and it just, it just spun back and just stopped, right? I mean, it was just... It was awesome. I mean, it was really, really cool to watch. And then he pulls, obviously, pulls iron on 18, and just kind of plays it the way that he needed to play it to, to guarantee the win. But um, pr- pretty good stuff. And he's he is a uh, you know I I think people might not know a ton about him, but he's a really good player. I actually ran into uh, I ran into JT and Spieth afterwards. They were kind of down there congratulating him, and I I walked with them back up the like toward basically out of scoring out of the 18th and just just kind of talking to them about woodland and jt was just like he's he's awesome like he's so good and you know i think i think we get you know we do this thing where we get caught up in like and and rightfully so like the thing we always talk about the 12 guys that matter and that doesn't mean that like there aren't guys outside of that in the top 15, top 20, 25 that also matter. And, and I think this week was a good reminder of that. A hundred percent. And I thought that uh, as I was selling it to, uh, you know, my family, to my wife, you know, just to, to talk about like, oh, here's what's going on in the U.S. Open. I said, I, I like Gary Woodland because he's the example of a player that in the sport of golf you could not have in most professional sports that at different times in your career – you you hit a high point and Gary Woodland at 35 if you trace him back to you know the 2018 season maybe early in the 2018 season i mean these 
these two years, this is the best golf that he's been playing. And for him to capitalize on it with a major championship win means that he's immortalized himself. So like, yes, you know, stock up a hundred percent. He was world number 25 coming into this. That's going to go up. Do I think that he is definitively one of the 10 best golfers in the world? No, but he's a great example of the fact that uh, the high points of a career can come at a lot of different times. Yeah, for sure. And I think back to him playing, you know, final round at Bell Reeve at the PGA with Tiger. And there's a lot right? of, yeah, there's there's a lot of disappointment there, right? You're like, oh man, I that might have been my one chance at a major. And then all of a sudden, less than a year later, you're a U.S. Open champ, and not just a U.S. Open champ, but a U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. You know, the guys that have won that it's Nicholas, it's uh, Tom Watson, it's Tom Kite. It's Tiger, it's Graham McDowell, and now it's Gary Woodland. So, uh, heavyweight. That's, that's the word that comes up to me is like heavyweight. He held off Rory. He held, and we're going to get to Rory after the break, but like he held off Rory. He held off Brooks. He held off Justin Rose. There was like Louis Oosthuizen, Adam Scott. Like we just had major champions all up and down that leaderboard, and Gary Woodland's at the top of it. Well, and the whole weekend, it, it was interesting because the kind of the talk here in the media center and like going to and from the hotel and you're just you're always talking about the tournament. Right. And the talk was like we, we, we kept talking about which of these guys between Rose and Woodland is going to fade because they'd both been just putting and chipping just uh, unbelievably all week. And to me, it was always Rose. Rose hit it not very well. Uh, and, and I. I said on the way over here on Sunday morning, I said, I think Rose is going to shoot 75 today. I really, I really thought that. And he ends up shooting 74. But Woodland started hitting it better on like Friday and Saturday. He kind of held it together. I think it was on Thursday that he held it together with his putter. And then he started hitting it really well. And look, he's like, to me, he's like a top 12 ball striker, maybe a top eight. I mean, the way he fights his ball, the way he controls his irons. And his whole thing is just short game and putting. And so on a week when you're hot, when you're feeling it, this is what can happen with, you know, a guy like him, a guy like Hideki, a guy like, I don't know, Mark Leishman is not as good of a ball striker as those guys, but kind of somebody that's in that similar class as a as a iron player and, and driver. So stock up, we agree. Yeah, overall, not not just because of this week either, but but yeah, overall. And that has been Stock Up, Stock Down, brought to you by TD Ameritrade. Coming up right after the break, what we had to think of Tiger, Rory, and the rest right after this. All right, so um, let's – do you want to spend a lot of time on Big Cat? Because I – No. Okay. No. All right. Well, let's let's hear it. What, what's, where are you at? What did you see? Uh, I don't know, man. Like, it's just – Pebble, I thought I thought the way he played was more about Pebble than it was about him. And and what I mean by that is like he just didn't give himself a ton of opportunities. And when you're playing on this course, and he talked about it all week, you got to you got to be below the hole. And he's above the above the hole, above the hole, missing a green, above the hole, and you're just you're just not providing yourself with enough enough opportunities to make birdies. Um, and like he just, you know, his starts were lousy. Like he started bad on Saturday, started terrible on Sunday, and he he looked a little. I thought kind of the sub storyline of the week for Tiger, and he got asked about this. I was there when when he got asked. Was just like he had the KT tape on his neck, 
And, like, he seemed, I don't know, there's so much, like, body language expertise going on that I sort of roll my eyes, but I also sort of buy into it. He seemed a little stiff. And, look, it was it was cold here this week, Chip. Not, like, cool and breezy. It was, it was like, cold for most of the week. Like, in your – it kind of gets in your bones a little bit, like that kind of cold. It's, like, wet and cold and overcast. Felt like an open championship. And I just don't know if that is the best scenario for somebody who's 43, who's had four back surgeries. And, you know, to me, to me, the, the contrast, and I, I wrote this, was just when 2000, he looks immortal when he wins by 15. And then 19 years and four back surgeries later, he's still playing like kind of the same golf. I mean, not like he did in 2000, but he's still playing major championship winning golf. He just looks far more mortal now than he did 19 years ago. I thought he played like a <laughs> How many Michelob Ultras have you had? No, 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 no. <laughs> that was a text from a friend. I plan on bleeping it out, but that was a okay. – I, th- I thought it was great. I, th- I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> like I, I thought it was a fantastic uh, – I thought it was a fantastic representation of, of looking at Tiger Woods. I thought, I thought he was about, I don't know, three degrees off, right? Or, or just, I don't know. It's just, yeah, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't right. It wasn't all the way there. It wasn't aggressive. It wasn't confident. I'm just, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I, I was, I'm out on the performance. Yeah, I thought it was weak. I mean, I, I agree. Like, and I think the thing about it is, like, coming into this week, I thought he would, I thought he would contend. I thought he would play great. I thought he would be right there, and he just never played his way into it. Shout out to Adam Gold, by the way, listener and friend of the podcast. On that one. Um, all right, so Rory McIlroy was in a position where, like, from the jump, we were looking at him and we were thinking, like, man. This is subverting all of the U.S. Open trends that we had. You know, I I said on this podcast that I was taking a staunch anti-Rory position, but he all of a sudden on Sunday was not able to capitalize on it. Um, You did what? what, Where? Where's? Where do you think Rory's at right now? Or what's your ultimate judgment on the week? Uh. I think it's interesting because we start doing this thing of like comparing and contrasting him and Brooks or him and Spieth or whoever. And going into Sunday, did you feel more confident that Brooks was going to shoot a 65 and win or that Rory was going to shoot a 65 and win? Brooks. Right. And they kind of came out and played like it. Mm. And I don't, I don't really, I don't know what to make of that. Like I, I don't, I don't know, man. Like I, I just I don't go into these these like weekend rounds with Rory at majors and feel a ton of confidence. That doesn't mean he's not gonna win another one. That doesn't mean he can't win another one. That doesn't really mean anything other than it's the way I feel. But I also think it's the way a lot of people feel. Like there was just never like <laughs> Do I want Rory to go out on Sunday at the U.S. Open and shoot a 66 to win? Yes, I do. I'm not going to like <laughs> act like I don't. Yes, yes. But I don't, at the same time, I don't feel a ton of confidence that that's going to happen. Although I will say, I'll say this. 
I came into the week not thinking he was going to be very good at all, and I thought he played. I thought he played pretty valiantly throughout the week. Like he was, he was in it. He was in it. He was in it. It wasn't. It wasn't like a. Like there's kind of those classic backdoor top, like like uh, Beth Page was a classic Rory backdoor top ten. That was that's not what this was. He was like in it, in it, in it, in it, and then faded. And I I thought that the way he played coming in after winning last week, where you're you're kind of you kind of get exhausted after winning. Like that's not an excuse, but I just I was sort of proud of the way he like stayed in it throughout. Uh, at, at a at a tournament where he's not traditionally done that. Okay, so the challenge is that inside a microclimate, this top 10 is a little bit backdoor because it came with the birdie on 18 and after yeah. he had played so trash to that point, right? Fair. Yeah, f- so, so backdoor within the day, but not backdoor within the week. Correct. And, and that's where yeah. I threw out this U.S. Open for the, like, the Rory stereotype was thrown out as soon as the first round was done, I was like, "Oh, okay, he's yeah, he's got it. He's he's got well, some good it, stuff right now, and that's an encouraging thing." Where like you even start to play Rory forward to the Open, and you're like, "I'm not betting against Rory." That is 100 percent true. Like I I did at the U.S. Open. I will not be doing that at the Open. Yeah, totally agree. 100. percent Um. All right. And. Go ahead. I no, I, I've I've got nothing else. It's just, you know, I it goes back to what Sean Martin said last week. He's got Fred Couple syndrome. It looks so easy when it's on that it makes you forget that golf is hard and that you're not going to win every week. But you just you want to see the thing that we talked about this week actually in the media, like just with other media people, is like he hasn't really been in a lot of these since he won in 14. Like what, like which majors has he been like a, a more than just a bit player in like starring role 18 masters. Okay. Uh, 18 open sort of held the, like shared the lead on Sunday late for like 20 minutes. But what else? I, you know, and so that I think 18 masters is impactful. I, I think losing when you were there with Reed and Reed winning is that was damning. I think it was damning for me. Reed, Reed ended him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I like you know I we mean, we laugh about it now because obviously Rory McIlroy has been the hottest golfer on the planet in the year 2019, as we've said many times on this podcast before. But like you're talking about what are your feelings about Rory McIlroy on Sunday at a major championship? Yeah, I was looking at like Rory and Reed going into Sunday. I was like, oh my God, Rory is going to pants him. Like this is yeah. going to be like Dunzo. I, I am so ready for the Rory slam right now. And then to have not only uh, Rory not win and Reed win, but to have like Fowler be a bigger story, to have Spieth be a bigger story, for Rory to play the fourth biggest story in that sort of pantheon of the 18, man, uh, 18 Masters, that definitely changed uh, the way that I feel about him on Sunday to major. Yeah, I mean, but but to be fair, like he hadn't, I don't know, like he hadn't really been involved in a lot of majors since 14. So like, 
I don't I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to make out of out of all of it. But I I do think that he play. I mean, obviously he played. He missed a cut at the last three U.S. Opens, so he's playing just generally better. Uh, but you you know you want to see him go out and play like Kepka, right? Like, and we can talk about Kepka now, I guess. But just to go out, like, just to go freaking get it, and not to you know be I, it, and it's it's a lot harder than me just saying that. I get that, but you would like to see him play more on a Sunday like Kepka has than like he has in recent years. So where are you at with King Kepka? Uh, I thought he was awesome on Sunday. I mean, it just felt like – I mean, look, like it took – so he's teed it up against 465 guys in the last three years at the U.S. Open, and he's beaten 464 of them. And it took, it took a better score than Tiger in 2000 to keep him from his third straight. <laughs> And the thing, the thing about it is, like, it, the hardest thing to do is to put on that kind of show when people expect that kind of show, when it feels inevitable, right? So, like, going into Sunday, everybody that I talked to, everybody in golf, everybody around this thing is like, you know what Kepka's going to do? He's going he's gonna to light it up on Sunday. That's what everybody thought. I mean, literally everybody you talk to is like, Kepka's going to be awesome on Sunday, and then he went out and he was awesome on Sunday. If I almost tweeted the Vince gif on like the fifth hole after he makes his fourth birdie in five holes, even though he's trailing, I was like, this thing's over. That's a, that is a wrap because I didn't think, I didn't think Woodland was good. I, I honestly, I didn't think Woodland was going to shoot in the sixties. I thought he would shoot like 71, 72. We'll see if it's enough. We all thought the number would be 10. And Kepka was at 10, and Woodland just went out and beat him. I mean, I, I just, you know, Kepka finishes three clear of the field, and then he loses to Woodland by three. There's not anything you can do about that. So with Brooks, from what he has, like, said after the round, I mean, I saw on Fox not a lot of dis- – I mean, like, disappointment for sure, but he seems to know that he played championship-level golf this week. Yeah, for sure. He said that his quotes after the round were like, look, there's, you know, he's like, I didn't, I hit all the shots I wanted to hit. I did everything that I wanted to do. And I think this is sort of like, we talk about Kepka being like disengaged, not disengaged, but like not, um, he's sort of like distant from the whole thing. Like he keeps himself distant. And And I think this is the part, he just doesn't get too like, like, and again, like he wants you to know that he doesn't care, which I think is is the best way that anybody – Chris Solomon of No Line Up said that. He's like, DJ doesn't care. Uh, Brooks wants you to know that he doesn't care. But uh, I think that the part of it that's cool is like he can just uh, – I don't think his psyche gets like burdened by not winning majors. Like after the round, he's like, look, I did all the stuff I wanted to do. I just got beat onto onto the Travelers. Like let's let's go to next week. Is he playing the and, Travelers? Yeah, he is. Oh, my God. And I just think there's a – I think there – I think mentally, like, right now, he's in such a good place that, like, him losing to Woodland like that, just it doesn't even – it means nothing. I That's like he, what I saw. That's what I saw on TV with this post-round interview. I was like, oh, he's fine. Brooks is, two, two, Brooks is good. 
Two people have beat him in majors in 2019, Tiger and Woodland. That's it. That's crazy. I have so much more confidence in Brooks Kepka than I do in Rory McIlroy. And Rory yeah. McIlroy has been the hottest player on the planet statistically in 2019. Yeah, it's, it, it is weird. I, I don't I don't know what to um, – I don't know. I don't know what to do with all that. Uh yeah, I don't. I don't know. I have. No, I have no comment. I'm refraining from comment. <laughs> um, what else is on your notepad? What else do we have? Uh, Victor Hovland, 280, unbelievable performance. He shot a 67. Was that the round of the day on Sunday? Are you kidding me? Uh, Xander shot a 67. Also, uh, Hovland's awesome. He finishes T12 along with Matt Wallace, Danny Willett, Matthew Fitzpatrick. Uh, this was his last uh, tournament as a as an amateur. I talked to him a little bit on Wednesday, very briefly. I talked more to his coach, Alan Bratton, Oklahoma State golf coach. And on Wednesday, he's like, "Look, uh, Hovland's played more Pebble like competitive rounds at Pebble than most pros because they play a college event there. He won the USAM there. Like he's played a ton of golf at Pebble Beach." And I was like, oh, that's that's an interesting nugget. You know, I just kind of file it away. And then on the weekend, he goes out and makes uh, – what do he make? He shot 31 on the front today. Yeah. I kind of I, I kind of dug it back up. I was like, oh, yeah, Hovland's played a lot of golf on this course. I mean, he, he's, he's a pro. I, I mean, he's actually a pro as of the time we're taping this. But he played like a pro this week. I think he's going to be uh, – he's in the field next week at Travelers. I think he's going to be awesome for a long time. Did you see uh, DJ Pihowski's tweet about Hovland? He said Stoned he, Rory. Yeah. Great. <laughs> so good. So good. Uh, yeah, no, I'm excited about it because Hovland, low amateur to the Masters, like, and, and Wolf played better than Hovland in the NCAAs. Is that right? When it came down to championship time? Yeah, so Hovland broke the Oklahoma State career scoring record. Um. Like all time, Charles Howe, Hunter Mahan, Peter Ewan, Ricky Fowler, everybody. He was better than all of them. And uh, Wolf beat him by like a stroke. Yeah. So we are all a Oklahoma State, nothing else for the rest of the week after this. The Travelers Championship is just a pistols firing podcast. Heads up. Yeah. This is, this is just a Oklahoma State golf podcast from now on. <laughs> Um, no, nah, it was sick. I mean, when, when you bro- it was cool to see him find out that he broke Jack Nicholas's low amateur record at the U.S. Open. Uh, he was like, oh, oh, I am very Swedish, and that is very acceptable. <laughs> he, I don't know if that was a Swedish accent, but uh, that's very much like he's just. No, uh, no, yeah, no t- it was not a Swedish accent. It was a Swedish response. <laughs> whatever i talked to him earlier i mean that's just how he is like right. he's just like oh it's great to meet you you know pistols firing yeah great cool Love it. you know that is just... that is awesome that is very acceptable i appreciate that <laughs> yeah no that's just his essence and his energy i promise that is not a like me trying to do an impression at all it's only me trying to uh communicate what his general general vibe is yeah, he's great. How about this? Uh, so strokes gained. I was looking at this. Strokes gained driving for the week. 
Oh, where is it? Um, let's see here. So strikes hand off the tee. I think he Victor would. Ho- he might be top five in uh, fairways. I don't have it pulled up right now, but I th- I think I remember seeing that earlier. Total strokes gained off the tee. Victor Hovland eight point four. Xander Shoffley six point four. Rory McIlroy five point nine. Those are your top three. That is filthy. Fairways hit on the championship. 47 of 56, 84%. Victor Hovland tied for first in the field. Yeah, sick. He's a he's a baller. He's he's going to be awesome. Matt, Matthew Wolf's going to be awesome. Sean Martin's got a big feature coming out on Wolf early in the week, which is going to be really good. So, um, yeah, what else we got? Uh, Ches Revy was, was great. I, I heard he didn't get shown a lot on – uh, TV, but him and him or Brooks were trading uh, tobacco uh, preferences on the twelfth tee. I got to witness that. That was fun. Um, let's see here. Uh, John Rom finished T three. Did that's? I thought. Uh, I thought Will Gray said this. He said uh, John Rom finishes up a, a T three. That's going to look a lot better on his Wikipedia page in two years than it does right now. <laughs> Um, so we got very little of John Rahm. We got very little of Xander Shoffley. We got very little of Adam Scott, three players who were very much like high on the leaderboard, but not necessarily in contention to win this thing. And it was, uh, frustrating if you happen to have a Shoffley over Rahm head to head live ticket that ended up being a Mm. push. You you that's just like a hypothetical, right? That's a hypothetical. Sure. Yeah. Of course. I was. I mean, the, it it may or may not have been a Robbie Callan and Chip Patterson back and forth text message asking where the cameras were. Oh the, my gosh, Spieth shot a seventy six today. Oh, Spieth is horrendous. Jeez. So D- Dustin Johnson was bad. Spieth was bad. I, I don't know if you wanted to unpack yeah, D- all that. Well, like, D- like there, there were there were some there were some players that we had good expectations for that were like very very poor. And honestly, if Tiger Woods didn't have four birdies across his last six holes, he would have been included in that bunch. But like there were some woeful performances on the weekend from some of our favorites. Yeah, DJ is my disappointment of the week. He shoots uh, shot seventy four on Sunday, and he finishes at one over overall. That that's just, I don't know, man. That that just feels like not acceptable from him at Pebble at a major. Agree. You know, like, agree. Hundred percent. I, I mean, how many? Like, how long is he going to be in like this major championship winning window? And how many times is he going to not win on courses that he? can and at some point should win at Uh, it's just i don't know that's that stinks um i don't know i don't i don't have a ton else i thought i thought kepka you know i i think that and this is sort of the crux of my column is like three-peating we saw this with the warriors i kind of compared him to the warriors it's so hard it is so difficult to beat 465 guys over the course of three years at the U.S. Open. And he almost did it. Like, he like he went for it. And the shot, like, he pulls three wood on 18, pumps one up there. He's got 226 in, and he just, he just lets it fly. Like, he's just – he's basically trying to hole out. And he did that all day. Like, he just went for it, went for it, went 
for it, cleaned up pars, cleaned up pars, cleaned up pars. And uh, I, I would just, you know, stepping into that arena and defending it over and over and over again, it's so difficult. It's so hard to do. And I thought what he did this week was was uber impressive. I thought it was I thought it was really awesome. That is Kyle Porter. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Kyle, thank you very much. Thanks, Chip. Great week, man. We'll talk to you soon.